0: Hey, gang, welcome to episode 149 of the No Presidium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles which uh, a phrase which always makes me want to crack up because it is my completely cluttered kitchen table uh, is where I'm coming to you from right now. Oh, oh, headquarters means there's piles of papers everywhere. Um, Hey, uh, this week on the show, we have Matthew Webb, who's a partner in Jackalope Live Action Studios and the creative lead on The Night in Question, a one-shot kind of blockbuster World of Darkness Vampire the Masquerade LARP that's coming to Texas in November. Now, now, why are we talking about a LARP that's happening in November here in May? Um, well, a couple of reasons. One, because tickets are already on sale. They're like three quarters of the way sold out. And this is this is an instance of uh, one of the new forms of larp that's been bubbling up for the past couple of years kind of a a mixture uh kind of kind of the the point where the the old mind's eye theater and the nordic larp stuff kind of smashes together it's uh it's known as bespoke larp Um, we'll get into that a little bit more in in this in the setup in a couple of minutes let's do the business and then we'll we'll wax poetic uh for, for a quick second. Cause I'm I'm very I'm very excited about this one. I am. Okay, here we go. Hey, let's let's do the business stuff. Patreon. Oh yeah, you know you we were going there, right? Look, this week just two folks to thank. Uh, David Romero and Christy. No last name given. Thank you both for jumping on the out-of-control train that is no proscenium. Uh, just by way of an update, where are we? Where are we with this thing right now? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, this is only a significant portion of my livelihood. I should know what's going on with it. Um, we're at uh, 1089 bucks a month on 163 patrons. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, we've got some more thanks scheduled up. We had to put a pause on the, the social queue. Uh, uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, May 18th, you'll understand why. Because uh, uh, something's a little gauche to be doing. Um, anyway, uh, let's not talk about social media or sad things at the moment. Uh, let's, let's talk about money. Ugh, gauche. Um, 1250 is our next goal. Uh, we're looking at getting some new microphones. Uh, that's always like the promise. Like, we'll do some audio upgrades. And, and we will, we definitely will. Uh, $12.50 a month is uh, the mobile rig goal. After that $1,500 uh, a month is the goal. All the way up to the, the magical no pro goes pro at $6,000 a month, which is very, very far away. Um, and that would just mean we just do no proscenium full time, all the time. Uh, there's more than one pathway. We'll get there. We're gonna get there. But we can't get there without your help. And if you're a regular listener of the show, a uh, dollar a month, twelve dollars a year makes all the difference. Uh, Five dollars a month, you get access to the very irregular, irregular, which is the uh, cousin podcast of this one, uh, which comes out uh, whenever the spirit moves. Uh, and yeah, uh, we're we're not far away from our next goal. So uh, now's a good time to be uh, thinking about it. Okay. Enough of that. Um, Again, David Romero and Christy. And of course, the sustaining backers are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurstan, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all for keeping us going all the time. There we go. That's the business end. Back to the setup. Okay. Um, So, as you may know, longtime listeners of the show know uh once upon a time i was a vampire larper and not only was i a vampire larper i ran a larp we called it berkeley by night um we i actually ran two larps in in succession um i'm not going to go there right now it's just about to i'm going to prevent that but it's always been something that i've had um since since i left larping at least an academic understanding of uh, and curiosity in and the form has really evolved I was doing that stuff in the mid '90s. Um, our guest today, Matthew Webb, he started LARPing in the late '90s, so he comes out of the same tradition here. Um, and vampire LARPing, you know, LARP as a whole uh, had existed beforehand. There were there were groups like Nero, and um, there was there was stuff that was a little more. We call it, we would call it boffer LARPs because you would take PVC piping and like wrap it in foam and like make a sword out of it, and then like run around the forest and hit each other with these things. Um, yes, I, I, I did just the combat part of that. I never was an actual buffalo Larp. We would just go down to the park and do that for fun. Um, we just cut up them and who needs a story? Let's hit each other with sticks. Um, <laughs> true story. Oh, my housemate recently got married, uh, my housemate back in those days. Uh, he was more effective when we would play Limwoss. Which was very Monty Python of us I'm on a rant Um, And so like you know If you get hit in the arm You got to step in the arm If you got hit in the leg You have to hop on one leg Jeremy Muller was way more deadly On one leg than he was on two He would just charge at you Anyway Okay so Um Sorry, I get flashbacks. I get flashbacks whenever I talk about LARP because I spent a significant amount of time in my formative uh, early 20s uh, doing this thing. And there is definite crossover between uh, LARPing and immersive theater um, and immersive in general, right? Like LARP is one of the the spheres of, of immersive disciplines as far as I'm concerned. Um, and what's going on right now is sort of the, the in Europe for a long time, there's been this movement called Nordic Larp, uh, which gets people away from from you know heavy duty rules and more into about embodying the characters and and kind of collaborative storytelling techniques. And then here in the States, we had this tradition of more rules heavy stuff. And the new form, the form that's been emerging for for a little while now, but that's just starting to crack open in the States is taking those two worlds and even some of like the, the storytelling stuff of those two worlds and bringing them together, which brings us to the night in question. That's a good sentence when it's put that way. Um, the night in question is going to be a, a blockbuster uh, vampire, the masquerade, lar- vampire, the masquerade, of course, being the, the classic. It is a classic now, isn't it? Uh, the classic uh, horror role-playing game. Uh, we get into a little bit about what a vampire is. Vampires undergoing um, a, a reboot. Uh, you know, depending on how everything goes, it might very well be a renaissance. Uh, there's there's new there's a new company that owns the imprint. They're going to be publishing the the rule set, uh, republishing it, uh, bringing it up to the fifth edition uh, later on this year. Uh, there's a lot of energy around it. They're they're going big, and one of the ways they're going big is they're they've given the license uh, to these guys, uh, Jackalope Live Action Studios, of which, as I mentioned, Matthew Webb is a, is a partner, uh, to produce a, a one shot piece called The Night in Question. Um, this is going to be an intense. Um, I don't want to necessarily say extreme, but if if you watch the sizzle reel for this stuff or you check out some of the the one shot larps that have been going on there's this big game that was done in Berlin uh, at like the last like vampire con. Um, it, it looks like you're when you're watching the the video um, the teasers and the videos of uh, these things, it looks like you're watching some like crazy indie, movie that's got like like indie horror film that's got like a lot of like you know sex and violence in it. Um and the crazy thing about it is like this stuff is all improvised. This stuff is all LARPed out. And how you do something that looks so out of control uh and yet is is you know got structure to it and You know doesn't have a bunch of people you know breaking their necks. That's a fascinating question And so we get into we get into that uh, We get into how this thing works in this episode. So I'm pretty ecstatic to bring this one to you Uh, Matthew and I had a a fun little conversation beforehand. We were trading notes on our favorite role-playing game Mage of the Ascension uh, Which if you ever want to get me talking about just talk to me Uh, (laughs) It's easy I will do that all day long Um, there's also a Mage the Ascension podcast now, and I'm very excited to be listening to it. Um, anyway, what I want to impress upon you here is uh, this, this could be the start of something big, right? I don't know. There's definitely been a movement uh, to get the Bespoke and the Blockbuster LARP thing happening here in the States. And it just sort of feels like... Since everything from the 90s is back, it feels like maybe now is the time. So I hope you enjoy this episode uh, with myself and uh, Matthew Webb of Jackalope Live Action Studios. And I'll talk to you on the other side. So Matthew, could you tell me what what is Jackalope?
1: Jackalope is a live action event and game studio that was founded last year by myself and my partner, Steve Metz. And it was conceived as a way of bringing the growing blockbuster, big one-shot style game with high production value and high immersion to our corner of the woods here in texas and me and steve were both long-term larpers we had all run and designed games and we had this great community this brain trust which has slowly grown up here in central texas and we decided that it would be a great idea to kind of take all that knowledge and all this talent that we had around us and start doing our own version of these games that we're seeing happen in new England in Europe and the UK out on the West coast and bring them here to Texas and do them kind of the Texas way and do it a little bit more aggressively, a little bit more in your face, a little bit more, you know, strongly and, uh, give it our own twist using what we had around us both in people and in environment and that's how Jack came about and we had some we have some great successes already we've been run a really great charity event we've been secured several licensed products that we're really excited about of which our latest one is uh, the night in question which is coming up in this November which is a white wolf uh, White Wolf Entertainment uh, project that we're doing with them.
0: So, so for those who, I mean, most most people who listen to the show probably have heard me talk about White Wolf and the World of Darkness, but they're they've kind of they're doing a big push now because the company has kind of bounced around a couple of times and is sort of reconstituted itself. And this is this is part of a big rollout they're doing this year for for Vampire, right?
1: I think that it wouldn't be out of place to call it a renaissance, what's going on with White Wolf, because White Wolf was massive during the 90s and the early 2000s, and then it got into trouble, and it got sold to CCP, and then it got sold to Paradox, the two video game companies. And you're right, it did bounce around for a while, but now they brought in some fantastic people, some fantastic talent, some real visionaries I wouldn't be hesitant to say, and they're reviving it. They're shaking off the cobwebs and making it modern and really bringing back what is interesting and provocative about that world in a way that I think is really exciting.
0: How for people who don't know, what would they should they be expecting out of the night in question? Like, give a little bit of a sense of the mythology of, of a vampire, and also what you guys are going to be doing
1: with it. Well, the world of darkness is the archetypal modern horror fantasy game. It is the world where the vampires are in the shadows and magic exists. And it's all underneath the surface. And the night in Question is set in the World of Darkness universe in Vampire the Masquerade, which some of you might be familiar with from video games or playing tabletop or playing live action role playing. And the night in Question is one new... Sorry, it's a new... Event in what has been a long stream of these high-quality single-night events that tell the story of the world of Vampire the Masquerade. We've had games that were set in illegal nightclubs that focused on the more humane vampires and the young vampires trying to live out their lives. We've had games that were played in castles that are set in the Middle Ages called Convention of Thorns, where the elder vampires and all their monstrosity are negotiating. So we brought in the night in question to focus on what are the antagonists of that world, which are the Sabbat and the Sabbat in the mythology of the world of darkness are the vampires, which reject their humanity. They revel in their nature and they set themselves above humans and they're engaged in, Eternal war against all other vampires that don't bend their knee to their ideal, which is funny because they preach freedom and self-determination, but only for people who are like them. And we took them because they fulfill that role of being the monster vampire in that universe. Because the world of darkness and vampire the masquerade kind of include tries to include slices of every single type of vampire fiction. You know how it is, right?
0: Oh yeah. No, I mean the the glory of of vampire has always been that if there's a if there's an iteration of vampire pretty much anywhere in the world, anywhere where the mythology is, there's some some type of vampire. I was I was going to slip totally into game talk. There's like either a clan or a bloodline that uh, mm-hmm. embodies that archetype. And what was always interesting about the sabbat was indeed that they were the monsters. They were also the monsters, and they managed to be modeled after the Catholic Church all at the same time. So these, you know, for those who don't know the world, the idea is that some places are controlled by the Sabbat, but in the, the Sabbat in the places that don't control... Uh, where the Sabbat doesn't control the the local territory, they're the boogeyman. They're the thing in the dark that's going to come and get you, and they're probably already here, and they're almost certainly going to kill you in the night. Uh, And every single societal norm that monsters can have, they chuck out the window in order to, to revel in their awfulness. And it was always a trick of like, well, how the frack do we do this in a LARP without... Everyone running around with baseball bats and hitting each other with shovels. So um no,
1: that's the thing, is that if you started reading them, that you started realizing that for all their monstrosity, they were right. They were the anti-heroes. They were the only group of people who weren't lying to each other. The the Sabat had a nobility to them that they started developing. You started getting this very real sense that. These guys had a point. They were more anti-hero than villain. If you talk to them, they would sit there, and a sabot, a well played sabot, could sit at you and go, "You don't seem to understand. I'm just what you would do if you weren't you weren't afraid." And they were almost always this cautionary tale, right? That they were boogeymen to a certain extent, but to another extent, they were. The thing that you could point to and say, this is what happens when you don't try to remain human, is that you go completely down this path. You're reveling in this predatory nature. And if you take the brakes off that bus, you have no idea where you're going to head.
0: And yeah, mechanically, what was always interesting about the Sabat was in, in- – baseline vampire, if you lost your humanity, you lost control of your character. So the idea that there was a way to kind of troop off and, you know, reject your humanity, but you sort of had to adhere to a, a pathway, an ethos. And that allowed you to still have some level of ego control over your character, both both in terms of the, the metaphor within the game, And also, just the mechanics of the game—it was the that pathway determined whether or not, because inside every vampire is is the monster that just is not controlled at all, just pure id, pure destructive force, and they're all struggling with it. But the Sabbat, you were the the cracked mirror path, and they had found a way, found a way through. So it was this. um,
1: The constant question of the Sabbat is: at what cost? Question.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you want to be free? Okay, how much are you willing to pay for it? Are you willing to turn your back on your humanity? Okay, how much are you willing to pay for it? Because the Sabbat always knew the pa- knew the price for that, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things we are trying to capture in the night in question is the freedom at what cost, power at what cost, the idea behind vampire the masquerade is monsters we are less monsters we become the idea behind the sabbat is monsters we become what are we now
0: how do you embody that how do you how do you make a larp that has a high degree of immersion is it just a matter of production value or is there is there something else to it
1: i think it comes down to getting people in the right emotional space and creating situations which focus on the message and the point. Because in the night in question, the concept behind this is, the plot, is that most of the people do not start out the night playing vampires, which is strange for a vampire LARP. Most of the vampire LARPs are vampires talking to vampires And there's not very many humans involved. Some of the Nordic style games, such as in the line, most people play humans and throughout the entire night don't realize they're vampires amongst them. But in the night in question, there's this illegal rave that's in the countryside outside of Austin. It's set in the mid to late nineties, ambiguously. And What is really going on is the entire thing is a trap. The Sabbat are about to go to war. And one of the things they do before they go to war is they choose people, isolate them, and do a mass change. They call it the embrace. A mass change. And the Sabbat do things slightly differently, as you know, as far as embracing people. At least the classic old school Sabbat do where instead of having a much more intimate thing where, you know, the vampire comes to the chosen one and drinks them and feeds them their blood and they become a vampire and they're, they're educated and stuff. The Sabbat are far more brutal. What they do is they grab people in mass often, especially when they're going to war, or just rip them from wherever alive they have, embrace them, and they actually put them through a ritual which is meant to, like, Rob them of some of their humanity immediately and make them into more of an id driven creature where they bury you and force you to claw your way out. And if you don't dig your way out with your bare hands, they just leave you underground forever. And we're going to do that simulated, of course, but. Majority of the game, you're just the first two hours, you're just playing probably a not very nice person in a illegal rave in the country outside of Austin. We have an actual rave site and concert site that we've rented out. And as the night progresses, things get worse and worse and worse. And then finally the monsters are in control and You've become one and you've now changed. And what does that mean?
0: How do you, how do you mix it? it? sounds like there's like, and we were talking about this a bit beforehand. So I know we're going down the right road here. There's, there's almost elements of extreme horror in here. How do you, how do you take the, the high agency of a LARP and, sort of like the high control of of an extreme horror piece. Because one of the things there, of course, is that, you know, people submit to something like blackout and then they're they're fully, you know, controlled by by those guys and, and taken through the process. So are are you going that far? Should people be expecting something on the blackout level? Should people be expecting something kind of like two steps away from that? How how simple um. is
1: Blackout is ex- very, very extreme. Obviously, oh yeah. The style we're going for, I we describe it as splatter punk, mm. and it's very much in this Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Devil's Rejects tradition. Because if you look at it, and like I said, we're doing things the Texas way. If you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Devil's Rejects, there's this very particular style of horror. That's set in Texas, like that is traditionally set in Texas, which has this underlying message of Texas is big, it's empty, and it's full of places where no one will think twice about hearing a scream or no one will hear you. You're under the big Texas sky and no one cares. And there's these weird places in the backcountry, which who knows what happens there, right? And we're going for that style. Blackout is meant as just a psychological just test more than anything. I think that we're a little bit more focused than that on telling a story that is deeply psychological and has a great deal of natures and questions set to it, where the monstrous parts are used to highlight the costs and choices being made and the nature of the thing you're dealing with. So in the night in question, you're going to be dealing with hanging bodies and blood fountains and this environment, which what it looks like where a bunch of inhuman vampires decide that they're in absolute control and they're going to have some fun. And they're also intent on making others experience it so that they understand their new nature and they understand that they are now apex predators as well as almost this indoctrination into it
0: how freeform is this intended to be is it is it going to be people just acting and just is, is that kind of nordic larp style where you're just embodying the character you don't necessarily have a lot of you know rules or 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 or, you know checklists of abilities or for those who might be familiar with sort of the Mind's eye theater run of vampire Larps is it is it going to, you know you're gonna have a character sheet and you're gonna have certain things you can do and at a certain point once you've been embraced you're gonna you know have your have your power set
1: I don't think you could describe it as a power set it's a hybrid of this two ideas it's extremely rules like we're using the same system that Enlightenment and Blood used, which was a massive street LARP that was run in Berlin last year, last May. And the ideas in that are that everything is consent-based. You can choose what happens to you. But there are very, very limited powers which have a keyword, such Hmm. as the vampires which have a mental ability. They might have the ability to say to you, and this would be the limit of the power, you really, really want to answer my next question. And that was the code word, really, really. And that's all how the powers manifested. They're very lightweight. As far as the physicality part of it, there's often a combat number or a strength number associated with the character, but it's just a static number. And it's just used to determine, idea-wise, how strong that character is. But how fighting actually occurs is that we focus on and emphasize that a fight is a tool for storytelling it's a com- it is a conversation a if you look at great fight scenes in movies and film and plays and so forth what you're actually looking at is dialogue and we emphasize that weapons and violence are tools for storytelling and we have workshops before the game because the The event actually starts at noon and there's six hours of safety workshopping, consent workshopping, and just getting people in the idea that there is no playing to win. You play to be interesting. You have a single night to craft an incredible experience with your fellow players and to kind of get people in the mindset of creating this visceral, awesome story So if I wanted to grab you and let's say you're playing a human and I'm playing one of the vampires and we've previously negotiated out of character that I'm going to be the one that that turns you into a vampire, I will break character in a subtle way and I will say, this is what I want to do. I want to chase you down that alley. I want to throw you to the ground and I want to rip your throat out. And I have this fake blood with me because I already grabbed some and I'm going to, you know, spread it wherever it needs to be spread. And you come back to me and say, okay, I'm cool with being chased down the alley. I'm not cool with being thrown down. I will fall down on my own and then we can act out. Just don't touch me anywhere but my shoulders. And I go, okay. We do whatever negotiation we want. There's training on how to do this very quickly. And then, shortly afterwards, everyone gets to see you scream, fall down, and me grab and rip your throat out, and we're all bloody and everything. And that's how the mechanics, quote unquote, work for that.
0: See, that's 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 so fascinating to me. Like that, there's because it's been so long. Is is this part of like normal bespoke or Nordic LARP type setups? Is this something you guys have come up or you're adapting from from somewhere? The-
1: the work on this really came from a company in Denmark, now in Sweden, called Participation Design Agency. They have they were previously called Odyssey. Um, Bjarke and Johanna there are fantastic, incredibly intelligent, incredibly smart game designers. And they came up with this based on, of course, the whole Nordic tradition, but they came up with this as a way of doing these vampire and world of darkness games elsewhere. And that was, you know, that's where it all started. And we helped them, both with the American run of into the line. I you know, had a long conversation with them about how to introduce these ideas to American players. And that's how we kind of started having, you know, a relationship with each other. And I helped them run the technology part of uh, Enlightenment of Blood and played in it. And they're actually advising us on these systems in The Night in Question. Because The Night in Question is the first American-born bespoke World of Darkness game. So this bespoke style is new because it's a merge of the agency secrets and powers style, more American style game, and the high consent, high focus on narrative, high focus on immersion style of the Nordics game. And we don't call ourselves a Nordic game because that means so many things. But there's a lot going on in this space with the blockbuster games where they're finding – this happy medium of how to get both of these things together. So I can't claim credit for creating this, but it's worked fantastically in the past. We're going to tweak it a little bit, but the idea was amazing. And the moment I encountered how it worked in Enlightenment and Blood, the idea of doing the night in question was percolating in my brain ever since I played in, in the line the previous year. But when I played in Enlightenment of Blood, I saw that people were like wrestling with their shirts off, you know, as, you know, evil vampires and changelings and stuff like that um, and really getting into it and just spreading like blood around. And we were in the middle of this like massive kind of youth revolt of vampires. And I saw people just get, you know, play acting curb stomped on the middle of a disco dance floor in East Berlin. And it was just so energized and it worked so well once you got people in the right mindset. And once that happened, I was like, we can do this. There are Americans here that are 100% into it. It worked it in the line. We can do something that's shocking and cool and over the top and we can do it safely and we can do it trusting people to go for the story and make like an incredible night. And that's when I approached White Wolf and I said, come out, visit us and we're going to do this and it's going to be incredible.
0: It reminds me, gave me a little flashback to like my earliest in the nineties, actually before when the game is set uh, vampire LARPing days. And because I was running around with my theater troupe doing it, we would sometimes craft fight scenes like we get the we get the stunt guys to come in and they wanted their their characters were fighters so they'd, they'd work out an entire routine to sort of show off to everybody but you'd also have players who like wanted to jump in in the middle of what was a clearly a very choreographed scene but this this seems to like open up the possibility of being you know majorly theatrical for folks Kind of almost on the fly, like it's 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 Focus even on more improvisation.
1: Consistent. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's even more improv. Improv with rules. I used to like when I would try to describe LARP to theater people. I'd say, well, it's kind of like improv with rules. This seems like it's almost leaning even more towards improv, and um, this idea of you know workshopping with everybody and kind of getting getting everyone to the into the mindset of being a troupe and of entertaining each other. Um, that's that's uh, going to be cheesy. That's kind of beautiful to me, because I it, is felt that, it is beautiful.
1: It is beautiful yeah, when you yeah. have a group of people sharing their weirdness with each other, and honestly, just being energized and adopting this self interested selflessness, because you get into you you get into a lot of rules based heavily rules based games. This tragedy of the commons where the person who focuses on the rules the most wins, but the rules interfere with the drama, right? right? So when everyone focuses on the rules, everyone suffers. Since everything in the night in question is consent based, like people are asking, "Well, can I survive the entire night?" I'm like, "Well, no, yeah, you can." What What does that get you? You know, it's you're not winning. Right. You're just saying no, and. <laughs> If that's what yeah. you wanted to pay your ticket for, yeah, run and hide in a box all night. Um, if that's your if that's your kink. Uh but
0: I paid my money, I never went. I won. So- <laughs> <laughs> right. The only
1: winning move is not to play.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: right. Uh, you know, it's, it's but we're getting everyone on the same page. What is the point? Yeah. Is and I love the I love that you mention choreographing scenes because we did that when we had as a vampire troop game in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania we were playing on a college campus there was no one there at night because it was a little uh it was a little community college and we went into the parking lot we had everyone pull their cars into a circle in this massive broken parking lot we pull put all the headlights on and that's how. The fight that kind of capped the season, quote unquote, for the LARP happened is all the mechanics were handled ahead of time. The the storytellers told everybody like, there's going to be no interference in this. If you want to interfere, you need to tell us now. And then we just stood around and it was like a scene from Fight Club. We were sitting there. We were shouting. We were pointing. We thankfully let security know what we were doing. (laughs) And we got to see the this brutal shirts off fight with, you know, s- sweat and tears and screaming. Uh, and that's how our the game ended for that season. and it was the best moment. And the secret of it is that we embraced the theater of it. We embraced the making something happen together rather than yeah. playing a game against each other. But we didn't get rid of the against part. But we just handled that ahead of time when we said, "Okay, this is the theatrical part, right? This is the playing for the crowd. This is the pro wrestling bit, right?" Yes. We figured out who's going to win, and now we're going to now we're going to figure out how we're going to do make it for the crowd. You know?
0: Oh yeah, no, and 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 that's the thing. Like you know, gosh, this is like taking me back in in so many ways. I mean Uh the the joy. There's an old okay. I'm gonna. We were talking about the world of darkness in general at the start, and we were talking about mage. I'm gonna go back even farther there. There's there was a game. This wasn't a LARP. There was there was ours Magica, which was oh my uh, god, uh, uh, oh yeah, I went there, and 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 doesn't matter what the game was about. Um, Matthew just had a reaction. You guys can look it up if you want. The point is is that one of the things in that game was the idea of troop play, and because the game was deeply unbalanced the idea was that everyone sort of had a main character and then secondary characters they could play. Uh, And depending on what week it was and where you were in the storyline, you might be called upon to play one of your secondary characters and become Mm -hmm. the supporting cast. Uh, But everyone kind of got a turn. And the focus was on the idea that the troupe as a whole was playing to entertain each other. Um, I've thought of some of the and, and for me, that's always been kind of my approach when I'm whether I'm tabletopping or I'm LARPing. Particularly since I'm often drafted to be the storyteller, or or I refuse to not let myself be. Um, I'll admit that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more fun to be able to make all the characters. Like it's just such a joy to make the world for everybody else. Uh, but this idea that that we're all we're all playing together to make the world for each other. When when the longest vampire LARP I was I was running in we deliberately had people play multiple characters, often even be uh, diametrically opposed to each other, so that no one would sort of try and win. It was always about how can we tell the most dynamic story? How can we get things going in in the craziest way possible? And just this long, drawn-out soap opera that we built over the course of like two years in college.
1: One of the most powerful things I've ever seen in a vampire game is when everyone has to play an as a secondary character, the ghouls are mortals associated with another yeah. character in order to yeah. make that breathing part of the world alive. And there's just some great ideas there and they're still more mechanical. They're a little bit more crunchy than yeah. you would normally see in an immersive theater or a Nordic game. But they take this collaboration because It's not necessarily we're here to entertain each other. It's like we're collaborating. We're working together. Uh, One of the greatest rules ever written by a game designer named John Wick for his tabletop games is the friendly enemies rule. And I've been telling – I play in a traditional Mind's Eye Theater, uh, Mind's Eye Society LARP, which have gotten much better recently, actually, over the last few years. They've really stepped their game up. The – This idea of the friendly enemies rule, and I keep pushing the people to to use it. And the entire idea of the friendly enemies rule is you as a role player do not establish antagonism with another player without Mm. talking out of character to them and saying, "Okay, how can we make this fun and how far does it go?
0: Uh, I wish I wish you'd been able to introduce this to me. About three years ago, I wound up in a vampire tabletop game. And you can imagine if you're playing a bru- Bruja and someone's playing a, a Ventru, you're you're just going to have to go for it. And, uh, oh boy, I just nerded out. And And this was with someone who hadn't really played the game before. And so I could feel from session to session, there was this enmity building up in the guy. And then we did a thing where there was like a flashback game and suddenly we were no longer playing our regular characters and we managed to instantly fall into being conspiratorial buddies with each other, even though we were diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that was like the last time we all played because in that moment I was like, oh yes, see, we are it's not that we don't like each other. It's that our characters don't like each other. We're going to be fine.
1: Let's figure and out how, the, how we don't like each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, let's 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 figure out how to make this work. No, and it's it's great because like you know when you're playing, and this is the interesting thing about something like uh, a one shot game or a game that's very large is like you you wind up with these social dynamics, right? And you see the same thing in reality. You know, everyone might theoretically have the same goals of you know let's enjoy this thing together, and yet inevitably there's little pushes and pulls here unless people sit down and and agree to this friendly enemies thing. This is it's this is it's fascinating to me because I've been away from that world for so long to just see how much it's developed. I mean, yeah, it's been like two decades that two plus decades that that Vampire and Mind's Eye Mind's Eye have been going on and LARP's been going on longer than that. But just how much it's come from from the heyday of the nineties. Well,
1: this is new stuff. This is yeah. this is new news to a lot of people and we're getting I have a thrill of introducing these ideas to even standard kinds of vampire LARP games and just all sorts of LARP games, because I was there during the you know late 90s, early 2000s is when I started. And I saw exactly how this went wrong. And that's part of what kind of gave vampire LARP a bad reputation in some circles is because of the animosity and the backbiting and stuff. And when I encountered these rules, I had a reaction much like you just did, where I'm like, oh, wait, this is how you fix that. And you don't have to like impose it as a rule. You just have to make it your rule, right? I have a policy where I talk to people out of character about the animosity between characters that I want to develop. I have a character who's an absolute complete irrit- infuriation in the current national chronicle of Mind's Eye Theater. He's a catty, snarky psychopath. Who He's a Sabat character, actually. And all these characters hate him, but most of the players absolutely love him. And part of his success is I've turned around and I've said to people, listen, this is this character's deal. This is exactly how far he's going to escalate, which is not far. But if you're down for this, we can play this catty, snarky uh, frenemy. So Because when you negotiate, you can actually have things like frenemies. As opposed to in most rules based games, you just get escalation one hundred percent because no one knows where the limits are and everyone acts to defend themselves, because otherwise they'll lose their yeah. character. But if you have this thing yeah. of just like, I'm never gonna try to kill you unless you try to kill me. All he's gonna do is snark at you and make a funny comment and maybe occasionally, you know, send you a dead rat when he doesn't like you. That's <laughs> that's fine you know and they they suddenly you remove the uncertainty that causes that escalation and you say okay this is part of a story we're establishing a dynamic we're not i'm not trying to displace you i'm trying to dance with you i'm not trying to punch you right
0: for people for whom don't they don't have a lot of experience with larping but they're they're curious they're they're um they're larp curious. They probably have a working understanding of game mechanics if if not like, you know, they may be an avid gamer, you know, in in their other life, but they're they're deeply interested in things like escape rooms and immersive theater and sort of losing themselves in the story. Uh how how much of a delta, how much of a leap is it to to jump into a bespoke larp
1: game? Compared to a typical larp game, it's much much easier. Because the rules are so simple, and mainly what you get is a sheet that says, "This is who you are, these are the people you know, these are the groups you're in," and then we introduce you to them before the game, and you guys work out character ties, you work out what dynamics work, you get a sense for how you're going to betray, it, portray each other, and betray each other. Come to think of it. <laughs> um,
0: Accurate Freudian slip. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, And the writers set up this situation because that's resolved in a night that's just ready to explode. You know, it's already keyed and it's for you to figure out with your fellow players exactly how you're going to blow it up. And Mm. you don't need any experience with LARPing to do as a bespoke game. And one of the beauties about the night in question, which is shared with games like Into the Line is that you don't really need to know anything about the setting either. Because unless you're one of the few vampire players and you don't have to play them, in fact, it's a lot of fun not to, you are just a person in 1998 Austin. And we're going to tell you what your background is and there's not going to be any funky stuff in there. Right? So you can play... And not know anything. And the main leap for someone who does escape rooms and immersive theater is an escape room. You don't really become someone else. You're not expected to portray someone. There might be actors involved, but they're definitely part of the window dressing. They're not a role you're supposed to jump into. And some immersive theater gives you the option to become engaged. But... If you go into a spoke LARP, there's this idea that comes from the Nordic tradition called bring your own basket, uh, meaning we're going to drop you in a situation. There's going to be a lot of people with a lot of goals. Go out there and do something. Make the night. We're set everything up. We are going to have things that are happen, but we're not going to sit here and give you an experience. Everybody involved is making an experience. There's going to be 200 people at this event. All of them are players like you. All of them have characters. There's some basic phases and stuff which you don't need to be privy to. Go out there and make trouble. Go out there and portray, have cool scenes. Talk with people ahead of time and say, I really want to get into a shouting match with you and, like, you know, beat you up on the middle of the dance floor for. Daring to have betrayed me this one time. And that's a cool moment. And then after I get embraced as a vampire, I can come back after I I get beat up. I can come back. And now that I'm the big scary monster, I can exact a revenge on you and drag you off. And that's kind of a nice loop. But we're encouraging people to have those conversations. And make those stories happen because this is a collaborative effort of everybody, which that would be different than Sleep No More, which does invite you to participate, but the engine of the action in the bespoke LARP, and that's the big separator probably from immersive theater and LARP in general, is when you have immense amount of effects on your personal story And you get back what you put into it. And there's this expectation of energy from you. There's no passivity in LARP. You are there to play and not witness.
0: You've got this big game coming up. It's in the fall, right? November. Am I
1: remembering right? I'm sorry. You cut out there.
0: Oh, sorry. You've got you got this game coming up. You got the night in question. It's it's in November, right? Uh,
1: I'm November seventeenth. It's a single night, and uh, you can. I suppose I should tell people where to find it. It's uh, if you go to jackalope larpcom you can find tickets there. Is uh, tickets start at one hundred eighty dollars?
0: What What else do you got? In in the works because this feels like you know you're, you're you're breaking out this form you're you're looking to introduce it into into Texas it's also the American market as a whole is just starting kind of wake up to this type of work well, mm. what else do you guys have planned
1: so one of our most exciting announcements is that we've started to work with Artelsorian Games to start doing the cyberpunk game. Uh, license and develop one-shot events for them. And the Cyberpunk 2020, they're working with... They're most famous right now for working with uh, CD Projekt Red to create the Cyberpunk 2077 video game. And we reached out to them and we said, we're going to make Cyberpunk happen in this one-shot, bespoke way. And... My day job is doing augmented and alternate reality software for training exercises. So, I'm going to take that expertise and I'm going to make it so that you can have a smartphone. And if you look at things through the camera, like control panels show up if you're a cyber dude. And it's going to have this kind of augmented reality element to it. But it's also going to have the bespoke rules where that's cool and all, but they are – the focus is on the story of telling this like gritty futuristic thing. And cyberpunk is really cool right now because of how relevant it is. The ideas of corporate power and self-modification and urban like decay and uh, radical, radical multiculturalism to the point that it's like – makes your head spin all these themes in cyberpunk have become super relevant over the last two or three years and we've witnessed a uh, huge upsurge in that type of media uh, altered carbon the expanse has a very strong kind of cyberpunk tone to it rest in peace uh and be back
0: someone's gonna pick that sucker up don't
1: don't you don't don't you jinx it now so
0: <laughs> it will rise the expanse we around
1: (laughs) but all that stuff becomes so relevant again and people have rediscovered cyberpunk and we really want to bring that into the game into our style of game world we have we have such great one of the things i have to emphasize about the night in question was we have some wonderful wonderful prop people uh Peyton Moe, who actually worked on uh, Gerald's Labyrinth there in L.A., she she did some work for them. She's one of our prop people. She's the head of our art department. And she's also going to be coming in and doing um, doing stuff for Cyberpunk. And we just have, we have some great sites lined up. I don't want to spoil it yet. But we're going to put you in this idea of that this idea that Michael Pondsmith established in Cyberpunk is this idea of Night City. And in later versions of the game, Night City was an actual place. But in the original version of the game, he said, Night, Night City is everywhere. It's the place where the neon lights up the street more than the broken street lights. It's the place where rain just constantly falls slightly. It's the, it's the place where the alleys are just a little bit too dark and it's the city that your city transforms into when night falls and you're not exactly where you should be at night. And it's the old
0: old thing about like metropolis is New York during the day and Gotham is New York at night.
1: Right. And we're actually, uh, the working title for the cyberpunk events is cyberpunk night city where we're going to bring the cyberpunk experience to various places and we're going to transform places and make it into this is, this is the future, you know, the, the line from max headroom, not to date myself. Uh, Meanwhile, Fifty minutes is the future. And that's what I really, really want to do with this is make it huge and make it, engaging and interesting and give you this feel of the like high tech, low life edge of what is acceptable, this dangerous place where civilization, technology, and barbarism kind of meet together. That's what I want to make.
0: Well you said you said bring it places. So like it's part of your ambition there to like not just do it in Texas, but like take it around tour tour this kind of thing. To
1: so wherever I can find a site. One of the uh, one of the dirty secrets of immersive and LARP stuff is um, you find the site. Usually, is the second step, and then the game changes to fit the site. Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, same
0: true on the immersive theater side. Exactly. So, right.
1: I mean, I
0: location, location, location. We're yeah. all real estate agents. You know, <laughs> basically God, real estate yes.
1: agents with stories. I mean, we found some incredible places. Uh, And we're going to really do it. I I tell you what, what made me thirst for this was I went to Comic-Con last year, and I waited in the sun for two hours, and I came into my panel talk. I did a panel talk on using technology in live-action role-playing, and... That was in the night, and the day I spent waiting, and I forgot my umbrella, waiting in the the San Diego sun to get into the Blade Runner experience. So I walked into my panel pink, but it was 100% worth it, because the Blade Runner experience at Comic-Con was phenomenal. I don't know if you got to go to that one.
0: I didn't get to go, but I had... I had a couple of people describe it to me. There's actually an episode uh, when the folks have been at Comic-Con and they like described it in detail. Um, and uh, Oh just, my um, God. If I can do a fraction of fantastic. that,
1: if I, I want to do yeah. that, I want to set up that except for you. There's more. There's, there's six hours of that and there's things to do and there's like an illegal party and there's, you know, rocker boys and gangs and, and, you know, hitmen and a suitcase full of cocaine, because there's always a suitcase full of cocaine and a suitcase full of money and a suitcase full of clothes that are all the same suitcase. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you have to have that, right? Uh, and, you know, I, and, you know, Personal drama and conflicts and and star-crossed lovers and all that kind of stuff. And I want to do that for. I want hours of that, just bathe in neon, constantly all that. And I want the lights to come on when the when the show when the game ends, and everyone to stop and say, "Oh, but we weren't done yet." After hours and hours of that, that's what I want. I want that experience. Except for there's no actors. There's no people doing the same things over and over again. It's that this place lives and breathes, and you are in the downside of a city. You are in, you are in night city for six, eight hours and you it sells it one hundred percent.
0: That sounds fantastic. Matthew, again, how can people get in contact with Jackalope and get tickets to the night in question, the vampire LARP, which we'll be doing in November.
1: Uh, Jackalope LARP.com is our website. You can find the announcement for the night in question there. You can find us online at Twitter at Jackalope LARP. And you can find us on Facebook at Jackalope live action studios. Tickets are still on sale. There's only 50 left. We've sold 150 place slots so far. Um, and they will be on sale until August. The game is in November, but character selection starts in August.
0: All right, well, everybody, I hope uh, this has definitely piqued folks' interest, and uh, we will we will check in again before the uh, before the the game begins.
1: Thank you very much. This has been great talking to you.
0: Once again, want to thank Matthew Webb, the partner in Jackalope Live Action Studios, creative lead on the night in question. You can, as mentioned before, check them out at jackalope-larp.com. And the night in question is just the-night-in-question.jackalope-larp.com. Get ready to dash. Get ready to dash, dash, dash. Hi, guys. It's me. Um, a couple of things. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> like a bag started to fall. I was like, no, there's nothing in it. I don't have to catch it. Um, it's an omen. Um, I'm, I'm really, really interested. I think if I had the cash, uh, I'd, I'd go out there myself, uh, and check it out. I gotta admit, um, I'm, I'm a little like, Oh, what's how like, like the thought, the thought of, um, Actually, you know what? At first, the thought of like doing combat and like, you know, like what if doing the Sabbat thing where like we like bury people and, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I got to take a little of my own medicine. We did a Sabbat game once, uh, once upon a time. God, this is really terrible. I've just been like one time in my game, uh, everything I always hated I've become, Um, you know, look, there was a small group of us. We, we were close friends. We trusted each other. And we were dumb high school and college students. And we did a sabbat game. And um, I don't think we actually drove around with someone in the trunk. Um, I just want to qualify that right now. The memory is a little hazy. But we did lock people in trunks um, as, as to like start off a scene. I don't think we drove anyone around in a trunk. Okay, maybe we did. I just don't remember. We were dumb. I'm talking 22... Stupid as hell. Um, 22, all in love with each other, with, with our absolute ridiculousness. The kind of, you know, we would get, we would, uh, we would LARP vampire, like, every Saturday night, basically. And then when we got together and weren't doing that and didn't know what else to do, we would just be like, let's improvise a Star Wars LARP, y'all. And ran out to the park and just pretend to shoot each other. We were basically five-year-olds. With rules. Um... So yeah, and just the idea that it's evolved well past that uh, at this point. And if you if you look at Jackalope's website, uh, there's actually there's actually a guide. Uh, what do they call it? This is this this was fascinating. I was taking a look at this this morning. So uh, boop, boop, let me find this. Nope, I've got two I've got two browsers open, y'all. So I'm saying y'all a lot today. I don't know why. Um, the Jackalope Guide to Playing Hard and Safe. Uh, so, and they've got just like this big old, big old list. It's got a lot of those hand signs, uh, that we talked about. Uh, if you want more on a in general, I meant to do this at the start. Uh, the episode where we talked to Jason Carl of by night studios, that is, I believe episode one Oh three. Yes. Episode one Oh three. I went and looked it up and I was like, I'll say this at the start so people can get information because I don't know who listens to this part. Episode one Oh three is with Jason Carl of by night studios. Those are the people who do the mind's eye theater rules. Uh, these days and Jason's also working with White Wolf. And indeed, like I'm I'm excited about Vampire coming back. I am. Uh I'm I may have pre-ordered uh V5. So uh, that's the fifth edition of Vampire. Sorry. I know I'm talking terminology here. Hey, let's talk about something other than this episode. Let's talk about what else is going on in the world uh of immersive. Uh folks, check out the job listings from Meow Wolf. Uh, they've been posted up in a couple of places, some of the usual spots they're up at everything immersive. Um, I do believe they, they're, they are up at uh, the jobs board on the no pro slack. The no pro slack has almost 700 people in it now, which is just completely mind boggling. I don't get to spend that much time in there. Uh, it's kind of like Catherine's playground these days. Um, I, I feel like I'm an absentee father half the time. Um, oh, I'm being summoned. I gotta get, ro- yep, there you go, you heard it. Ding, I just got summoned. It's Brian Bishop, it'll wait a second. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's. oh, it's, it's a lot of Brian Bishop, sorry. I forgot to turn this part off, I don't understand. No, wait, oh, it is on, it's on Airplane. Brian, you're guesting on the show today. You didn't know it, but you are. Um, Four messages, something either in Nine Inch Nails or Star Wars happened, and I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm desperately curious. That's what we text each other about, is Star Wars and Nine Inch Nails. So I'm like, oh my god, is there a single? Um, There was yesterday. There could be one today. My brain is shutting down because of a freaking text message. What am I trying to say to you? Um, The stuff that's going on here. Right. Hey, Leia, um, classes. We got two more classes here in Los Angeles this year, uh, this year, this month uh, on Tuesdays at Familia Arts, Diving in with the Speakeasy Society, just a couple of slots left. Last time I checked, there were just four slots left. So if you're interested in checking out how they do their thing, I'd recommend it. The, the series has been great so far. So uh, you know, every Tuesday this month, I'm going to take a bye in June and then come back with some more stuff hopefully in July and definitely later in the summer for certain some really exciting stuff coming down the line. And there's a bunch of classes all over the place that are that are happening. But also, the week after this one, uh, this coming one, Aaron Lyons of Delusion, uh, both an actor and often the casting director of Delusion, he's doing one. Uh, this one's called Choose Wisely. Uh, I just love the titles of these. So excited. If you want to find out more, leia.design. Go to the website there. Information there. More coming at that website soon. Uh, and, uh, thanks to everyone who's part of the collective. Uh, so many people are working on that. Uh, and, uh, we'll, we'll break some more of that down. Probably, probably list out who the committees are soon. Um, that, that would be, that would make sense. We'd be more transparent. We just, no one has time. No one has any time. That's the hard part. Um, this is everyone's third job. Um, but we do, we do treat it like a job. All right. Do need to get rocking and rolling here. Uh, what else is there? Look, uh, Troy Heard uh, is hosting the folks from uh, Deep Dive Austin. Um, they're going to be uh, at Majestic in Las Vegas. Um, I think it's in July. Don't quote me on that. Listings at NoPro. Um, keep up with the stuff. Uh, do using the North American newsletter. Uh, if we've got stuff that's outside of uh, the two big markets that we we serve, it all goes in the North American. We are looking at bringing out to San Francisco. That's going to be in motion. Expect that in June. Um, and indeed, hey, if you're in uh, a city that we don't have a super big presence in and you're interested in writing, uh, if you're interested in helping with the newswire, uh, we need your help. Uh, no question about it. We can use the hand uh, There's th- the way we've managed to put the spotlight on stuff is by having people on the ground and uh, we can harvest stuff all day long uh, Using press releases, etc. But it's not the same as having people in places So uh, holler at us uh, pitches at no or holler at me Noah at no All right. Look, I got a rock and roll um, I want to spend I just just hit my stride. I'm like, oh, we could let's let's talk let us talk uh, Hit us up uh, You know how to find us At no proscenium on Twitter Or at no proscenium on Facebook Or at no underscore proscenium on Instagram uh, Noah at no proscenium is how you get .com is how you get to me No is of course the website uh, Yeah uh, The Patreon Patreon.com slash no proscenium uh, That's where you get the irregular And you know what um, Yeah There'll they'll be one this weekend Because um, I'll probably let You know what Oh, I'm going to wax poetic on LARPs on the irregular this week. You know, I am. We're going to go. There you go. There's your teaser. You'll hate me for it. I love you. Uh, (laughs) All right. That's enough. Let's do what we got to do. The things that we always do because we are men of honor. The credits for the show. Music for this episode, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Pristinium are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurstan, and Ross Sigworth. I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show.